Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey, man, how'd you like like a $20,000 raise? We can help you do that at savewithconrad.com. Don't take my word for it. Check out our reviews at conradreviews.com. We've got an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. We've won the number one best in business award many, many times. And we just got a great five-star review. That's uh, from Jimmy E. He says, my wife and I just closed on our refinance after working with Diane and Steven. What a great experience. We closed within a month and added about $1,000 of monthly cash flow. Thank you. They were great. And who would have thought a trip to First Family Mortgage, an ad-free shows booth at StarCast 5 in Nashville would have led to this? LOL. Thank you. No, thank you, Jimmy, for believing in us. I know it's crazy. You're listening to a wrestling podcast and you're going to save a thousand dollars a month. Now think about that. Add that up over the course of a year. That's over $12,000 a year. You're going to save now. How much money pre-tax would you have to earn to net $12,000? That's about 20 grand, right? And think about that. You would have had to work for that money, pay taxes on it, and then just give it away. Come on, man. Keep more of your own money. If you can hear my voice. And you're in a 30 year loan. You've got a second mortgage. You've got credit card debt. You've got a car payment. What are you doing? I can show you how to keep more of your own money, get a lower monthly payment and get out of debt faster. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners save up to a thousand bucks a month. Just like Jimmy, find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Oh, and how's this for starters? No house payments for two months. That's right. A little fall break from house payments. Sounds good to me. Find out how much money you can save at savewithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. One more time, savewithconrad.com. Woo Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. Woo Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion. Tell them, Nate. Woo Wings, legendary flavors, world championship wings. Woo! Woo Wings. Yeah! Woo Woo! Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself. Ladies and gentlemen, your friend and mine, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Oh, oh no, Conrad, I'm on my phone. The song we're going to do right now was released on Christmas Day of 1967, originally. It's written by Boodle and Felice Bryan about a beautiful spot just out of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And on February the 15th, 1982, this song was voted by the General Assembly of Tennessee as one of their official state songs and we were very fortunate to be the first group to have the first record on this and since then it's been recorded over a hundred times <clears throat> and we look back on dear old rocky top uh, 
Oh, isn't that pretty, Conrad? Yeah. We'll man. hear that throughout today's. We'll hear that throughout today's uh, episode. But uh, oh, my shirt! I got to get this my world shirt on. Look at old Rocky Karen. We're recording. You got to speak up if you want to be heard. Of- Oh, I got a decorator here, Conrad. Oh, how about that? Mrs. Jarrett. The the queen of the mountains here. How about that? Oh, oh, you can't hear. That's okay. He just said the queen of the mountains here. I got headsets on. Looking all crazy. Hey, hey, look, the dogs are barking. They're happy. Are are we going to decorate? Okay, let's decorate. Let's see what we'll. I'll put the pin. I'm to give you your attire for today, but you got up here before I got There we go. That hat looks good. Yep. Yep. Let me just, if you're listening at home and you're not watching, I just want you to know Karen Jarrett has just done a run in to start putting Tennessee volunteer orange. I wasn't sure if she was going hunting. That is the prettiest orange I've ever seen, honey. Yeah, you just hang that wherever you want. There's jackets and hats and sweatshirts. Nice of her to kick this off. Yes, man. I love it. Anytime we get a run in from the queen, I'm all for it. It's that anytime we get a run in from the queen, he's all for it. So. You want any parting see, words? Now that I know, I see. I thought he was. You were the boss. Now that I know, you're the boss. <laughs> oh no! no it's no, no, called no, no, my no. world. I'm the boss. Yeah, I'm the boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go, Conrad. You've stepped into uh, some. Hey, did you tell him that I've never watched a UT game? She's never. We'll get into that. She's yeah. never watched a Tennessee football game in her life, and she watched opening to the goalpost. Almost going into the Tennessee River. Well, let her let her know it's all downhill from here. Realistically, that's the most exciting college football game we're going to get all season, don't you think? My no, most exciting. No, we're going to win the SEC champion and the win the national championship. That's not to date. It's the most exciting game, but Boy, yeah. we've got we got a lot of games to go. That's of. awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad she enjoyed it, man. She's a college football fan. Roll Tide. Love it. I have the go. approval that I can do a run in anytime. I anytime. Want. No, Con- Con- Conrad, 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 Conrad. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. We need to talk about that all fair. Okay, Conrad. <laughs> How about that? It's not every day we get a run in from the queen of the mountain. That was real cool, man. And I like, hey, I like that hey. she declared I'm the one who wears the sweatpants in the family. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get this straight. Yeah. Uh, whoever posts this together, feel free to do any drop you know, with Rocky top throughout just to give this episode a little flavor under the music, under the commercials, under the commercials this week, we'll play Dixieland delight and Rocky top, both Tennessee songs. I'm for it. I mean, this is your victory lap. You deserve it, daddy. Oh, you're being so kind today. No, listen, here's the thing. I think it's great for the sec. It's great for Tennessee. How could you not see the post game reaction and not feel like, well, first of all, it was a really exciting game. But to see the, the, the excitement from the fans and the fan base and to storm the field and all that and tear down the goalposts and man, you don't get that excitement in the NFL. That's the reason I think you and I both love college football so much is every week just matters so much. And that just felt like a major moment. And man, you don't get that on Sunday. It was fantastic. Congratulations. So Conrad, this is my world. There are some folks that listen to us in Australia and the UK and around yes. the world in Canada, maybe outside the South. Uh, that could care less about this game. Yes. And I literally, I, I want to apologize up front. We're going to have a little fun, but here's the wrestling analogy. I'm going to draw it back to you. You ended the undertaker streak. Well, no, that wasn't nice at all. Conrad, what you do to give me my flowers. Don't give me this undertaker BS. Let this, is, this is my show. Let okay. me give you 
Got it. I'll lay out. Do it, Daddy. <laughs> no, all kidding aside. So the industry today is built on WrestleMania, Triple Mania, uh, you know, whatever you want to call the big granddaddy of them all events. But college football is a week to week celebration. Well, guess what? And Tales of the Territory kind of was a perfect example of that. Back in the territory days, you didn't build to a big show. And the reason you really didn't is we knew we had to be there another 52 times. Mm -hmm. So every week was, you know, we used to joke, Nick Goulas, literally, this Saturday night, it's the greatest card that's ever signed. It's the greatest card that's every game. But in college football, like Alabama and our my, my good old partner and Sometimes kind man, Tony Schiavone, our co-partner. Yes, he yes. Did a very nice text last night. No, he didn't. But, but uh, folks, he's a Georgia fan. But the importance of losing one game. It's huge. Yeah, people were crazy in Tennessee. All that. Tennessee jumped to three, and Alabama went to six. Now, I'm going to kind of defend this. Do we really think Alabama's the sixth best team in the country? Oh, of course not. No. But they'll be there at the end, but it's, it's exciting to see a team it's climb weekly. Yes. It's uh, every week in college football matters. All it, yeah. Oh, more than matters. Almost. I don't say too much, but that was my point. Alabama right now has to run the table mm-hmm. or they're, 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 they're out. Yeah. They're out. Tennessee almost. Well, the SEC champions would have gone down too. So for you, non-college football fans, I apologize, but for you college football fans, it was fantastic. Twitter have not quit blowing me up. You look at that timeline. A lot of folks. I hope the queen decorated the office, right? I got enough orange during the show. If I need a little tasty snack, I brought an orange. Conrad. Yeah, yeah so, I see that. Uh, I, I, you know, another thing I like Conrad, what's that? About busting your balls. Yeah. I don't even know if I should do this, but maybe please. I should please. What I believe every member of the ad free team. Yep. And everybody in top guy, if they would have had my number and, and ad, but the ad free team team, I don't even think I, I'm not even sure Hypel had done his post game interview and our good band, our good friend, Mike Dawkins was all over me. You better give it to Conrad. Yeah. You better blow his ass up. Yeah. I deserve <laughs> it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready for it. Oh but, no, you're not. You see, you're, your defense is already good. You're saying, yeah, bring it up. So it's not good. If you're not oh, selling well, it, you're like, yeah, well, listen, yeah. here's uh, at the end of the day, you know, we've talked about this <laughs> in, in non-competition games, you know, just off season, man, I've been a long suffering Alabama fan my whole life. And so there were so many bad seasons. So when we won, when I was a kid in 92, I thought, man, that's as good as it's going to get. So when we won again in 09, I thought, man, how lucky am I? I got to live through two of these. And then in my opinion, we've been playing with house money this whole time. But unfortunately, when I was a kid, this Alabama Tennessee rivalry was a big deal and it hasn't been for a long time. And I know it has been on your side of the fence, but on this side, it was just like just Eh. another game. But now, man, this past weekend, I mean, that's one of the most exciting Alabama games I've ever seen. I wish there was a different finish. I wish it had gone a different way, but I was on the edge of my seat at a bar in Mexico. I went to a place called Pincha Gringo and it's a barbecue <laughs> joint in Mexico city. And a friend of ours knows the owner. So he made sure that they had a, a special bar area that had that game. 
So I ate like Alabama style barbecue and watched the game and was glued to it to the very end. I wish you would have been the other. Announcers? Did you have the feed no, announcers? No. Yeah. No sound at all, but it didn't matter. I still, I didn't yep. need commentary to know how to feel and how to react. And I know there's lots of, uh, Bama fans who were saying, oh, the refs bullshit. And oh, this and oh, that can we not just appreciate, like, how could you not see that pyro and that spectacle of the stadium and the fans and, and not feel like, man, we just saw something major. We saw something special. So I'm not going to be that Bama fan who says, oh, we don't storm the field when we win. It wasn't about us. I saw a great post. Uh, and I want to read this all the Bama fans saying we stormed the field. Like we won a natty. We didn't storm the field because we beat Bama. We stormed the field because we've been trying to claw our way up from the bottom to only get knocked down year after year. We stormed the field because we've endured years of hearing we'll never be reveling again. And we're living in the past. We stormed the field because we've endured four coaching changes in 10 years. Get over yourselves, Alabama. It wasn't about you. It was about another box checked first Florida, then LSU. Now Alabama, we stormed the field because we found a way to win and we're undefeated. It's great to be a Tennessee Vol. I love that. That's fantastic. It's a good story. You and I were, were tweeting or texting each other during the show. And it was almost as if, and Michael Hayes even texted me and says, this is great booking because it was like a wrestling story. It was unbelievable. It was well, I heard this morning, a guy said, yeah, everybody wants to bitch about the refs, but, uh, the refs didn't score 52 points. No, safe said it all. Yeah. Uh, good Lord. He was great. And, and you know, another thing to tie it back into wrestling. You know who I think has gotten over quicker, we'll call it, in the territory of uh, college football? Who? As our brother Pat McAfee just come oh, in there and said. Taking over. Hold my beer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> the backflip off the yacht in the Tennessee River. I don't know if you got to see that on college game day. Did you see it coming? No, I didn't. So, you know, the college game day. Uh, it's a, is it two or three hours? But Two hours. The, one of the first hours. They do a live remote and go down on the Tennessee River. And the Tennessee River is right by Nayland Stadium for the folks that don't know. So the the football stadium that seats over 100,000 sits right beside a river. And there's a lot of folks. A, a river that you and I live on, by the way. Bingo. Yes. And 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 that's just bizarre. That's yeah. true. So, so the boats, instead of dealing with all that traffic, a lot of folks come by boat and they tie up. And you can imagine it's a whole nother level of tailgating, yes. but lots of folks out there. So they go down there and Pat McAfee is there. And, you know, I, I, they explain the tradition and all that kind of fun stuff. And then Conrad, he's in casual clothes, but he's not in his speedo, but he, he goes down to the back of one of the yachts and does a backflip into the water. And I'm in the gym and I'm going, that's my man. Yes. I love that. Yes. But I kind of immediately go. Okay. Quick wardrobe change. Brother came back in a three piece. Uh, he looked great. So Pat McAfee knows how to get over. And then some, not just in wrestling, everywhere, just on radio hats off. So, uh, it was, uh, it it was a a great, just that that's the deal that the, the let me, let me give another little context here. Cause I thought this was a cool story. The, the mascot for the university of Tennessee, the, the, you you heard this joke. Is Smokey, right? Yep. And this is Smokey's last season. This particular Smokey. It's a new dog every so often. This one's been with the company or with the school since 2013. This is his last year as a mascot. And the first time that he's been on the sidelines when Tennessee beat Alabama, 
I thought that was such a cool story. I mean, it really is, man. When, when college, we, we often say on this show, man, when, when wrestling's good, there ain't nothing better. Maybe college football. I mean, college football, when it's good, there's not much better. It's just, have fantastic. you heard the running cruel joke about poor old Smokey? No. Smokey stay away from Alabama fans. They don't like things that, uh, deal with a, with bark. bark. Yeah. 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 There's a famous, uh, st- <laughs> there's a famous story where Auburn beat Alabama years ago when Alabama was on a tear and there was a, a pretty heinous super fan named Harvey Updike who went and poisoned Auburn's most famous trees. So like there's all these different traditions in college football. And unfortunately that tree died and it's because he poisoned it and he actually got in legal trouble because of it. So of course trees have bark and so does Smokey, but no Tennessee fan has ever tweeted about a win over Alabama or sent an eye message about beating Alabama or ordered an Uber after beating Alabama or posted on Facebook or Instagram about Tennessee beating Alabama or stream Netflix after beating Alabama. That's how much shut the up. world just shut up. I'm just saying that's how much just the world has changed. Up. No, it's great because now you guys listen, I would argue this. I would say oh, Tennessee should man. be number one right now. You're the, the best. There's a, there's an adage in wrestling, right? To be the man, you got to beat the man. Well, did you Here not just go. beat the man? We're so prepared for this. You should be number one. Now, Georgia's <laughs> going to stick it up in you. And everybody knows that. Like, like everybody knows that. And we're going to have to get Tony Schiavone to come on our program and you come on that program. I'd love to, because that's going to be the game of the year. At this point, we just thought we had the game of the year, but that's the real next big test. And on the Alabama side of things, let's add some context to this. We got Lane Kiffin and his undefeated Ole Miss. He used to work for Saban is now trolling the shit out of Saban on social media. And it's going to happen in Mississippi. So once again, Saban has to go on the road to take on a former disciple. And this time it's undefeated. It's going to be college football is a lot of fun, man. All right. You missed this too. Obviously Saban on the field had a meltdown. No, my bad. My bad. Kiffin Lane Kiffin. They he's on the field. Who did they play Saturday that they, they won Uh, Kentucky. It doesn't matter. Lane Kiffin was on the field. So the in game day, now they're doing break-ins across the country and all this. And, and Lane Kiffin, they just put in little uh earbuds you know in their ears and they talk to him back from the studio and they're talking and lane's out there and they b-roll lane going off the field in knoxville and him getting golf balls and yes. oranges a huge heel because he left well, you know, yeah le- left all that so conrad in the promo they're talking he's like hey they, pat mcafee and they so guys w- w- what do you think lane tennessee florida he said oh man he oh they played auburn that's why it ties in yeah. he said what do you think Go Vols. Let's beat the entire state of Alabama today. And they beat Auburn. Tennessee beat Bama. So Kiffin, I mean, you talking about. He's a heel. He's a heel. (laughs) Fantastic. I love Lane Kiffin. He's a huge baby face in Oxford, Mississippi. Oh, for sure. For sure. Back to the wrestling. Yeah. He's personal. It's personal. Personal issues draw money. Thank you. (laughs) I, I, I I texted that to a friend recently. Um, Oh man. What's great is we're, we're talking about tales from the territories. College football is just like tales from the territories, but they, this is the last bastion of territories and Lane Kiffin. There's been lots of whispers that Auburn, who I think you and I both agree sucks. And we hate, uh, that they're going to have to have a coaching change. And that's pretty evident if you've been paying attention. And obviously they're like the little brother of Alabama and 
it's hard to look over on the other side of the state and see all that success. So that pressure is crazy, but buddy, every Auburn fan I got wants Lane Kiffin to be their coach. And I've actually met Lane several times. He is just as cool as you would want. And just as cool as you would imagine. And I can't imagine a rivalry that would be bigger than an Auburn team led by Lane Kiffin. Now, if I'm him, there's no chance I go to Auburn. They're not going to give you an opportunity to do shit. If you don't win a national title on year two with other people's players, you're just SOL. I would stay in Ole Miss forever because he, he can win seven games a year and be, they'll have fucking statues for him. Cause Ole Miss ain't never done nothing. Uh, so I would stay there forever if I was him, but in the meantime, just a master troll God, and he's going to get the take on Nick Saban and nobody really expects him to win. No, but, but what if he does? Oh, it's huge. Oh, I mean, you, you, now it feels like you put the final coffin in this run for Alabama. So <laughs> oh, you and I love college football. I deserve my lashings. Wear me out on social media. I, hey, Hey, it's Conrad. I deserve it. I talk so much trash to Jeff Jarrett. Because- oh, there's some Alabama fans a little perturbed at you. Conrad, damn it. If you wouldn't have needled him. Cause they're like, I bet Cody's strutting around the house because Cody's never seen a ball win. Yes. And, and there's some guys saying, damn you, Conrad, you jinxed us. Oh you yeah. Con- it was me. It was me. It was, I don't think Alabama has allowed that many points scored since 1907. Nick Saban hasn't allowed that many points scored since 1996. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, All right. Talking about point scoring, and I'm going to give you a wrestling analogy because you got to, oh, probably this is even better because you didn't have the announcers to really sway you. It's all Conrad's Mm brain. So our quarterback and our receiving duo and and Hooker. So Hooker and Hyatt are unbelievable. They they deserve statues. All right. right. So is it them or is it our head coach and play calling? It's the old wrestling. Is it the song or the singer? Is it the angle or 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 mm-hmm. the the talent in the ring? And it takes both. But in this case, I'll say it first. I think our play calling. You don't get guys that open. You don't confuse a yes. Saban defense like that. No, without without great play calling, you just don't. I thought it was interesting that Saban in the post game press conference played it off and said it wasn't the hurry up offense. Well, fuck yeah, it was. Like, like <laughs> you can't, you, you, can't you can't, you can't reset and, and yeah. Cause he don't want everybody else to do it every week. But if I'm coaching against Alabama for the rest of the season, I'm, I'm sending my field on the team. They know the first 40 plays right away. Let's just go. Here's what we're doing. And that, and that won't give the defense a chance to adjust or make adjustments. But I hear you on, is it the seed or is it the soil? But yeah, uh, hooker Hyatt. There you go. I deserve it. It's not coming through on my end, but folks, we're just going to uh, kind of wrap this segment up. We're going to get into a great topic today. I'm going to throw it back to my partner, Conrad Thompson, because uh, we're going to get on with this podcast at some point. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Well, there it is, boys and girls. Uh, feel free to pile on. Alabama lost. I talked a lot of shit, and uh, we, uh, we we lost to a better team. It wasn't about the refs. It wasn't about any of that. We had some poor play calling, and we didn't play as good as Tennessee did. Uh, so 
go Vols. Congratulations. But it is weird when you think about it, Jeff, and I could see your eyes when I said it, that stadium is on the Tennessee river. So is my lake house. And so is outside of those windows behind you. It's all connected. We could go, I can, I could leave my house on a boat, come to your house. And then us just go over to the stadium today. Isn't that wild? It's always kind of been bizarre when my dad guy, I'd been wrestling, I don't know, five, six years or something like that. He's one of his sabbaticals. He flies down to Fort Lauderdale and, um, yep. One way ticket. I'll see you in about a month. Took a boat from Fort Lauderdale to Andersonville, Tennessee. Isn't that crazy? So you just thought that's not possible. Oh yeah, it's possible. And sure enough, he's like, yep, we'll be there. Now you got to remember this isn't really a cell phone era. He just kind of said, well, we're over here in West Tennessee. We're probably going to take our time. I'll see you in about two days. He would call from a pay phone. We had no idea. He just pulls into the dock. Crazy. It is crazy. And it shows you just how this rivalry is as big as it is, you know, cause we're all connected. It's not that far apart. And it, it, it tickled me. It was like, it was a, a new discovery. Cause it, and, and, and again, I know this sounds like I'm being a shit heel, but it's been so long since Tennessee beat Alabama. It's almost for people forgot Dixieland delight, which is an Alabama song about the state of Tennessee. Alabama is a country band. For those of you who aren't familiar, it's a big deal all over the South or with country music fans. And they have a song Dixieland delight, but it says the word Tennessee in damn near every verse, but it's like this week, everybody's like, oh, and they play Dixieland delight. Well, yeah, it says Tennessee in every verse. So it's a great troll job by Tennessee volunteer fans, but there's so many unsuspecting Alabama fans. That's our song, dude. He says Tennessee in every verse. What are you talking put about? Another little context in this Peyton Manning. I think folks by this oh, time yeah. have- He's played Tennessee. He owns the saloon 16, his number 16, all this. Probably the hottest act in all of country music is Morgan Wallen. Morgan Wallen was in, uh, it's the celebration went on across the state of Tennessee, but specifically in Knoxville, Morgan Wallen sung three songs, got up on stage. I mean, just the town, it was a victory lap and then some, so, uh, it's great for college football. It's great for the sec. It's been a while since someone besides Georgia has really stepped up and, and oppose or LSU and opposed Alabama the way they have. And you're not giving it, Georgia their flowers. It just goes to a pro- It just goes to show you how strong and dominant the sec is that now there's another school that everybody's like, wait, where did that come from? Congratulations to all involved shit all over me on Twitter. Uh, hey, Hey, it's Conrad. I deserve it. Uh, but by the way, I want to remind everybody the season ain't over. And, uh, I'll take any bets you want that Alabama's in the playoffs at the end. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, here's what I know. Next verse, same as the first roll tide. Anyway, uh, today we're going to be talking about the main event mafia. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty excited about this. I have to admit this was not, I was not a, a, an active wrestling fan. I was a lapsed fan when this happened, but I got started paying more attention to wrestling in 2011 started to pay a little more in 2012 and I got knee deep in it in 2013. And now here I am, I'm just helpless and I'm flying to fucking Mexico on the weekends to watch damn wrestling. So that's Dave green. Uh, he's alive. Uh, Dave green is a, a guy who helps us uh, sell ads here on the show. So I know all of you who listen with ads, hate him. Uh, but <laughs> you, you would have been happy because he ate his very first meal in Mexico, uh, with, uh, some friends what of day? ours. What day? That was on Thursday for lunch. Oh my gosh. And Saturday afternoon, about three o'clock, he left the hotel room. 
Uh, he made the mistake. Yes, Jeff. He was in the room from Thursday afternoon until Saturday afternoon. I wouldn't call it Montezuma's revenge because it was going the other way, oh, man. but it was pitiful. So I experienced most of Mexico city by myself, which I highly recommend <laughs> if you're going to be afforded a driver and a translator, uh, because the, the folks down there took great care of me, but Mexico city is now one of my very favorite cities in the whole world. Very, very cool. Right. Just the experience, but you don't really, people don't understand how big it is. Yeah. It's fifth largest city in the world. It's the world. Yeah. It's bigger than New York city. Folks, that's what I was going to say is, yeah, I didn't, I was going to throw that stat out. People don't realize it's bigger than NYC. Yeah. The five boroughs of NYC. It's massive. It goes on forever, but go ahead. There's just as a ton of folks. I had a great time. Uh, it was my first time I saw Lucha live for the first time at, um, I guess you would call it for lack of a better word, a spot show. It was at the hard rock in September. They did take TV there, but it was not a, it was not a huge arena. It it was just a a regular, regular TV taping type thing. I'm not, I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying it was just a regular show. But what I went to this past weekend was triple mania. It's the equivalent of a WWE WrestleMania. And it was unbelievable. The production, like just all the screens and the lighting and and what was crazy to me, Jeff, just to experience it. And I know we're not talking about the main event mafia, but I'm going to get there was the crowd and how different it was. It, it was, it was maybe 14,000. I don't know the real number, but it was, it was a lot of folks there. It looked full with the exception of a handful of seats in the upper deck and they were loud and they were passionate, but like during the main event mask versus mask, that's such a big deal. And I knew it was a big deal, but I didn't really have the context until I looked around and I saw people praying. I saw people crying. I mean, it was, it's a major thing. And with the exception of Ric Flair's last match, I, I don't, I've been to two, I've finished two wrestling shows. I'm the guy who wants to beat the traffic, right? Uh, okay. I, I get it. This was fun, but let's go. But I, I had to be there to the end of Ric Flair's last match because I was involved. Uh, but I stayed till the very end because I realized, Hey man, this is a big freaking deal to see a guy take his mask off. And it was really awesome to be there, but the response from the crowd and to look around how every demographic is represented. I'm not saying this to be negative, but I'm saying when you go to an AEW or WWE show, it's just like me and my friends hanging out. But here, man, they were grandparents. They were grandchildren. It's men, women, children, every age, every race. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And the spectacle of the show was amazing. And there's a lot of differences, lots of little stuff that I didn't even know to like, Hey, there's not ring bells. Uh, and the commentaries through the house. And there's a lot of stuff that's just way different, but what is universal is the love and appreciation and respect for what this art form is. So I absolutely love triple mania. I hope you guys dug it. I can't wait to sit down and watch it on fight being in the building. I made a commitment. I'm going next year. Uh, I'll be at triple mania in Mexico city next year. It was fantastic. And, uh, it's no, it's not American wrestling. It is different, but it's still fun and it's exciting. And I have enthusiasm for it because it's so new to me, Jeff, because the, it was a blind spot for me for so many years. And I, I still think triple a or tripla might be the best kept secret in wrestling. Like I know that, you know, Dave Meltzer has conditioned everyone to think that the most, ex, that the best wrestling happens in Japan. And we've joked about that on some of my other podcasts, but I think some of the most exciting wrestling happens in tripla. 
and, and granted it is different, you know, the, the storytelling and the approach and all that, but I had a great time and I hope you guys did too. And, uh, man, there were some, some hellacious performances Vikingo, Ray Phoenix, Pentagon, all the stars were out. what do you think, Jeff? You got to see some of the show. Yes. I, you know, selfishly, I'll say this experiencing professional wrestling live. Yes. Sitting at home. There's just no comparison. That's right. It's just like raw will be on, um, just I'm a live guy. And, and, and it kind of struck me when you said that there's only two shows off the top of your head that you can stay. I'm last night took the queen to Stevie Nicks here in Nashville. How was that? Oh, it's her. I mean, she cried. She laughed. She screamed. She's a 12 year old kid. She's a 19 year old kid. She's a 30 year old. Stevie Nicks has been through her through. I mean, it's like there is an emotional connection that Karen loves that music loves her. Stevie Nicks is 74. Yeah. And if you closed your eyes, you would think you were listening to her 20, 30 years ago. But what struck me, what you just said, the demographics. Yeah. She, she, she's Stevie's a seventies, eighties prominence, maybe early nineties and a little bit. I know seventies, eighties, seventies, eighties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Demographically it was, I mean, I would say kids, but young, like college age girls, uh, you, you name it. It was, it was unbelievable. And I just kept telling Karen, I'm like, how do these girls know this music so well and singing every word to it? It was just really fascinating. And we stayed to the end. I mean, when she starts hitting, it's like, all right, she's going to do an encore. I'm I, Conrad. That's not, that's a difference in us. If I'm going to an event and I hate the parking and I hate on that, but I'm conditioned. I want to watch them walk off stage, but there were some folks that left like you, you know, you know, like they're going to beat the crowd, but not many. But, uh, well, listen, yeah. I, I'm not saying I do that at all the concerts or whatever, yeah, yeah. But, but I'm just saying a lot of times, like if you go to a WrestleMania and let's say it's in Dallas or it's in New York where it's not near everything, there's going to be, oh, it's, yeah. it's going to be a situation to leave. So I've, I've been stuck before where I'm trying to leave at the same time, a hundred thousand other people are. Yeah. So there, if you don't have a car, there's no Uber opportunity, da, 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 da. So yep. I'm just conditioned to, Hey man, I don't want to get stuck out here. Cause that's happened to me before after a UFC, I think I was, it was at the palace of Auburn Hills, maybe a decade ago or whatever. And there's just no car service. I had to call American express and they concierge got me a ride or whatever, but I'm just out here in the middle of nowhere for two hours. So I'm like, I'm not doing that. So I've yep. just become conditioned to, if I'm in a circumstance where I don't have a car outside, you I need to roll. I got to get out of here. Uh, but it, now I'm in another country. I don't have a car. And driving down there, they don't give a shit about traffic laws at all. Like there are none. No, my driver didn't even stop at a red light. Yeah. He's yeah. like, no, we, we, we run the streets down here. Oh, slow and go, slow and go. But back to triple mania. Here's what I was going to say was I have obviously been to many of those. And when you have the Mexican national band and yes. the hall of fame ceremony that Hugo, uh, even, even though, you know, you don't fully understand the language, but but being there live and getting the vibe and also the entrances and everything that go kind of along with it, it, it is so much better live watching it at home. It's not the same. Yeah. And, and, you know, Cody would go to his room in between that kind of stuff. It just didn't engage you. So I, I, I just think there's, 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 there's different ways, but yeah, I look, it goes without saying that. I've, I've, I've been a Lucha Libre guy for years and years and years, because when they do you know, in a nutshell, 
you can have the minis and you can have the exoticos and you can have a little bit of a hardcore and then you get drama on a hair versus hair and mask versus mask and then all the high flying and the pageantry and you have these authentic characters that some of them have been passed down oh on. that's the favorite part one and maybe two generations like Viano who lost his mask 57 years old they were my buds in in WCW and I just kind of saw them as okay I I didn't really understand it when I was around in the first couple of months but once I asked some different folks K-Dog and and others and I'm like hey man give me the kind of context here when you when you start understanding there's Viano one two three four I mean that just doesn't happen in America. And here's the other the thing. Authentic. Yes. History. Yes. Not fabricated. It, it's, it's not, you know, what is a, you know, it, it, the, the title for Rio de Janeiro, it, it that is fabricated, which I get, I'm, I'm just trying to say in, in, in American professional wrestling, we make shit up all the time. Yeah. It's, it's a part of it. Hey, it's scripted in Mexico. There is something to that authenticity. Yes. That is real. Yes. The people really cried. Nobody in their right mind would really think that Pentagon's losing his mind. Not one it. person believed it, but they wanted to be there to see the moment. And bingo, uh, you That's know, what, what I was trying to get to the moment of yes. Viana unmasking, people don't leave the building saying I was there, but emotionally, that's what they came to see. They came to see that and, and you knew what it was going to be, but it didn't diminish the way you Not felt about it. No, you were Same with the hair match. Same with the hair deal. I, I absolutely loved it. I, I didn't know what was going to happen with the hair match. Uh, I, I had a feeling on the main event, just based on one guy's at the top of his career and the other guy's 57 and one guy it's kind of effectively a retirement match. You kind of know what's going to happen there, but it doesn't make it any less important. And, and again, let me say this. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm just learning Lucha stuff, but from what I understand, this is the last Viano. There's a constitution amongst the family that there won't be another Viano. So this is the end. And they first came to fame and became this big gang and this big success by unmasking other wrestlers. So for their last member to be unmasked is a big deal. Now there might be El Hio day, meaning the son of Viano, uh, one day, but, but there will not be a Viano six or Viano seven that's done. And it was the end of an era. And so Pentagon in his post-match or, uh, interview said, this is the biggest moment of his career. And he's main evented AEW pay-per-views and been impact world champion, but none of that had the legacy history and tradition that unmasking and think about what that is back in the day, you know, like, you know, old school Aztec days, man, they would be head people. And in Indian culture, they would scalp their enemies and it was like a trophy, right? So in Mech and Lucha Libre, this is a trophy. This is what I did. I ended it. And the visual of him just pouring blood, holding up that mask is the most compelling visual in wrestling this year to me in 2022. And I say that as someone who keeps up with everything here in America and was a part of Ric Flair's last match, but the visual of laying flat on my back. <laughs> yes. Of Pentagon holding that mask. I could show that to anyone and then think, I don't know what this is, but that's fucking badass. And, and the history and tradition, and I know we're going long and I'm sorry. I'm just excited about it. But when I saw it, like Ray Phoenix to me is one of the best wrestlers in the world. I don't know where you put him, but I think most people would say he's top five. And I was so excited after I saw Pentagon's, uh, not Pentagon Pagano's, uh, entrance that it's Mexico. They play unlicensed music and have big ass pyro and big ass screens. Cause it's Mexico, whatever. 
but it was so awesome. I don't even really know who Pagano is. I've seen maybe eight of his matches, but I was so excited. I got goosebumps because it was such a great entrance and that really wasn't even like a top 10 entrance, but it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But I was so excited based on that. So I'm thinking, man, Phoenix and Vikingo, this is about to be a badass entrance. I was lucky and fortunate enough to have front row seats. So while they're playing a video, I see Phoenix climb in the ring in the dark with his son, or I assume it's his son. It's a little kid wearing a mask that looks just like him. And when they introduce him, the spotlight hits him and there's him and his son posing. And that gives you the context of this is a family tradition. This is much bigger than what we know here in America, because this is, I mean, it shows you what the future is and uh, uh, the great contrast of in the very next entrance, his opponent of El Hijo de Bequino, he comes out with his father. So everybody there. And even when Pentagon wins, his daughter runs in, he's covered in blood and hugs him. Just the, this has been passed down generationally. And I saw that in the ring, but I saw it in the crowd. I saw grandparents sitting with their kids who were sitting with their kids. And I really understood for the first time, wrestling is a great program that maybe has become a niche product that we enjoy here in America. It's part of the culture in Mexico in a way that's much bigger than it is here in the United States. And I don't think I really, I heard that for a long time, but I didn't really understand it until I saw it. Cause I can't imagine, can you imagine Hulk Hogan posing with Nick at WrestleMania five? Doesn't happen. No, it just doesn't happen. And, and, and I just loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I hope everyone gets a chance to experience it one day. I know we've talked way too much about Lucha Libre. I promise I'll shut the fuck up about it for a little while, but I was excited <laughs> to go to triple mania. And I just wanted to share that enthusiasm with you guys. I felt like, you know, I dude, I've been a wrestling fan since 88 and I'll never forget flipping through the channels in 1996. And I saw ECW for the first time. And I saw a guy come to the ring, smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer. And I saw people hitting each other with canes and, and it wasn't a disqualification. I saw girls rolling around in thongs and they called it a cat fight. And I saw a referee give a guy DDT. And I thought, what is this? And I was excited that it was new. And that enthusiasm was sort of reborn when AEW started because it ran TNA. Hey, this is new. We don't know what to expect, but eventually listen, you get a sense of sameness because you understand here's the AEW way. Here's the TNA way. I don't have, I went down there with no concept of what to expect from AAA or Tripla and triple mania exceeded all expectations for me live in the stands. And I realize you're saying maybe that didn't translate to TV and hopefully they figure that out and it gets a little better, but Lord have mercy live in person. It was a 10 out of 10 uh, wrestling experience for me. And I hope everybody gets to experience it. I hope Tripla does stuff in the United States that fans can go participate in and appreciate and see and get excited about. Cause I realize it's not easy for everybody to just pack up and go to Mexico city, but I got to do it and it was a 10 out of 10 experience. I loved it. Well, hopefully we can improve that all, on all that and suggest and do what we need to do or what we can do. But, uh, are we ready to get down to this topic? Let's today? do it, man. Let's talk about the main event mafia, because it is something that, as I said, I wasn't watching live, but I did go back and check out because there's such a, a, a big group of hall of famers. And it's been written in the observer quite a bit that you wanted to rely less on, for lack of a better word, flips and more on star power. And I think that is probably, um, something that a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, I can be critical of this or that. But realistically, if you're a television company, it makes sense that you want to lean on television wrestlers. 
And while we're at it, let's also say that that's what's been done in wrestling and is a proven tried and true methodology. Meaning when Vince wanted to build the WWF, did he go try to build his own stars? No, he went and he, he piggybacked and, and, and picked off all of the big stars from all the different territories, starting with Hulk Hogan and the AWA and on down the line. And then when Eric Bischoff decided he wanted to take WCW to the next level, sure. He could have doubled down on sting, but they had been doing that for a long time. What really helped WCW get to the next level was bringing in Hulk Hogan. Say what you want about that, but they set all kinds of pay-per-view records and merch records and attendance records and every record you can imagine when he wrestled Ric Flair in 1994 at the bash at the beach. And off the success of that is afforded the opportunity to do nitro, which changed wrestling forever. And even there, what did he do? He went to shows like the, the big, uh, the, the, the sports arena in LA. And he saw guys like Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and all the, and he, we got to get those guys on the show. So you're doing that for TNA and bring in a lot of the really big stars. And the result is this fantastic group that had a lot of steam and uh, a lot of uh, history. The King of the mountain is going to bring us the main event mafia. Is this your idea? What do you remember about this initial idea? How does it come to be? Conrad, when I dug into the research, so many good memories came back about this, but the thing that I'm like, who named it? I still don't remember like how we, cause so Russo was in the room. Borash was in the room. Obviously Dutch was in the room. I was in the room. So look, I, I, that, that could probably be disputed who named it, but here's, what's going to be fun. And there's a lot of what ifs. And I know that there's a timeline we're going to follow and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but the main event mafia and there's graphs that I'll share at some point that I do have those Conrad to show the success from a ratings point of view. But as far as the storyline that we're going to get into, and we're going to tell the backstory here on how we got into it. I say this, but there was real emotions that this was easy to formulate, easy to put together. Let's give a little context. I don't know where you're going to dive in, but if you can give me just the month and the year, what we're starting on, uh, did you, are you starting on June right. or May? We're or? Starting in, uh, so here's uh, the impact report from May 22nd, 2008. The observer had okay. this to say, hold on one second okay. before you do that. Okay. So 2000 May of 2008, right? Yes. Yes. So, so, so to give kind of the full context, 2002, we launched. Yep. You just called them a lot of flip guys, but you know, we were a big time startup. We couldn't afford stars, you know, big high dollar ones. We had, you know, from time to time, we rented Sting on an appearance or two, but then he came on full, full time. Kurt came on. Uh, Christian Cage came on. Team 3D came on. Then Booker and Kevin Nash. But you can kind of see, as we call the the T, you call the TV stars, but we'll call it what's going to later be known as the Main Event Mafia. But all along, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, the X Division guys, these guys were there week in, week out. That never stopped. Some top guys kind of like a revolving door through the years. And they were inside that. So in May in 2008, we had started to run more live events. We had 
video game and licensing. And I don't say we became real, but there was much more going on. And this success started rolling, not just on television ratings and live events and relatively speaking, but just kind of the whole momentum, Conrad. And I know you weren't watching, but you know, Spike, it's not a top 10 network or right. top five. It's in the top 20, but we were again, you know, UFC and WWE left. So we were doing not big, but really big numbers for Spike. So the success was rolling, Conrad. And I'm saying everything relative. I don't want haters out there, but we, yeah. we were very, very happy. Look, nothing was perfect by any stretch, but things were rolling along. And, you know, back in those days, this sounds really dated, but we were going from standard def to high def. And yeah. Spike was going to uh, invest a lot of money in, in converting our studio into high def when that was a big price tag and all that. But we had a great relationship with Spike. So a as this was coming along, the story began to write itself. I, I, uh, I don't think that was ugly at all. I appreciate the context and, and I want to explain that from my perspective and my research, it looks like Booker pins, AJ styles and a King of the ring qualifier. And they start to beat down AJ. So it's Tomco 3d and Booker and Karen angle comes out. She slaps brother Ray in the face. Uh, he bullies her, makes her run from the ring. She makes a comeback with Kurt. Who's got a chair and they start arguing. Kurt's going to waffle AJ with the chair and Meltzer would even say it's about as heavy as an angle as you could do. I don't know if the bad stuff on the show kills the context where something like this won't bring out an emotional reaction, but you, what you've done here just to give everybody the context is you've turned Kurt angle heel and he's been turned a lot during his time in TNA, but to turn him heel here, it's a big deal and it's gotta be a part of the big plan. Then at victory road in Houston, sting attacks Samoa Joe. He's in the middle of a TNA world title match with Booker T and Meltzer would even say that was kind of a weird one because Booker's like the local baby face. So Joe is being booed more than anyone on the show. And eventually Sting's music plays. He comes down the entrance. Uh, he's going to tell Joe to, to stop choking out Booker. Joe's going to leave the ring with Sting, and you figure Joe's going to attack Sting. But Meltzer would say, since there's always a swerve. But instead, Joe jumps back in the ring, starts attacking Booker. Sting jumps in, yells at him to stop. Joe's still the baby face, although tempered. Booker's just turned heel. Sting is not planned to be turned. Joe's flip sting off sting. Then clobbers Joe with a baseball bat. Booker's going to leave with the belt, but it feels as if we're moving towards this. What's up is down and left is right. And we got all these big stars sort of flip flopping back and forth and we're laying the seeds for the main event mafia. I'm curious, do you go or does someone in the organization go and talk to the talent individually? Does it just happen? How does, how do we get everybody on the same page with the concept? It was a process and look, give Vince through the, the whole creative team, Vince, the, 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 the pieces of the puzzle. It's not like we had this master plan, but the sting angle in Houston, um, didn't exactly on paper or how it was executed. You say, Oh, it wasn't one-on-one wrestling at all, bro. You know, he didn't like to, he liked to 
sometimes swerve just to swerve, yeah. which I don't think is a good thing, but we were navigating our path somehow, some way to the real situation of a two hour show. Um, we'll call it, and they were later named this and we'll go through the naming process, but the AJ styles group eventually became the front line. And there's a kind of a backstory on that, but these are the guys that were there week in, week out from day one. They thought they deserved the top spot. Well, a guy like Scott Steiner or Booker T or Kevin Nash sting diplomatically. Kurt certainly had no qualms. Those guys are like, Hey man, you got to earn your stripes. This just doesn't happen overnight. So there was a built in friction, maybe not animosity, but there was friction beginning to build. And we started telling those stories. Well, I like it. Uh, one of the stories is, uh, as we move down the process, we start to get to where, uh, there's a August 14th, there's an impact and there's a video package talking about what's going on with sting. And then they go to footage of what happened as Nash is following sting through the entrance tunnel to the back and sting tells Nash, he's not confused at all. The difference between you and me is patience. Uh, he says his biological clock is ticking really fast and he should check his because it's now or never. And Meltzer would say this was well-produced as the background noise and imperfect lighting made it feel very candid and not part of the show. And that's an interesting note because this is the era where we start to do more of that. And I liked that. It didn't feel overproduced. Like we, we, we've made fun of over the years, whenever a wrestler's backstage on raw or SmackDown, and they're going to watch the monitor to see what's happened. They never really look at the monitor. They sort of turn their back to it and look sideways at it because it always just feels overproduced. And there's been times where we see too much of that on WWE programming. And well, a lot of other companies followed suit, but now this starts to feel different and a little more candid and a little more real. Uh, who, who would have been the driving force behind that? Good, healthy debates inside creative that it takes me back to now I can smile on it back then a little frustrated, but I, my, my mindset or mandate or, or vision was folks backstage kind of has two gray areas because they can really overlap. But if we're going to report on it, report on backstage and it needs to feel like it's a sporting scene as if uh, there's a reporter back there and we're going to get pre or post-match comments or, or a match coming up later in the night, but treat it like a sporting scene or it's a completely post-produced. I don't want to say theatric, but a vibe, like you said, there's a little bit of music where the viewer knows that this is a produced package that we cut down for time, but we enhanced it with audio beats and drone music and a little bit here and a little bit of there. So I wanted people to not overtly, I did I wanted our producers not to like overtly, but subliminally know, okay, this is a sporting package or we're going backstage. We're going to tell a story from a theatrical point of view, but, but I'm, I'm with you. And I, I think there's such a gray area, but yes, um, there has been times to time through the years, man, you go backstage and, and the camera shoots starts a pre-tape starts on a guy with a cup of coffee and he's stirring his coffee and the camera pans out and there's the guy talking. And it just so happens at the right time, the guy bust, there's no commentator on the scene. There's no nothing. It, it, you just know that, okay, there there's, 
there, there's no commentator there. They just happened to be there at the right time at the right place. Felt hokey, as you said. Yeah. So, uh, the, the, the two weeks later, there's an impact and sting makes his entrance wearing his face paint and robe and he's carrying a baseball bat. He said a few months ago, he had a long in-depth interview with Tanae, And he said, one of the questions regarded whether he was considering retirement. He said he considered it. He wondered what it would mean if he turned things over to the next generation. And he said, he knew the answer to that question, but he couldn't let it happen. He said it would be a grave mistake. He said he spit, he said they would spit in the face of it. Just like they spit in his face. He said at victory road, Joe could have taken the one, two, three victory at victory road and walked away, but he wanted to bloody his opponent, a jewel in pro wrestling. He called Booker a legend in the business. Some fans cheered. He said he involved himself in the match because he wanted to help him and reason with him. He said he saw him as someone who could carry the torch for the company, but he rejected everything he said and flipped him off. He said, that's no way to show respect for someone who paved the way for him to have a job. And he said, when he was his age, a young Ric Flair took him under his wing because he believed in him the way he now believes in Joe. He said he respected what Flair had to say. And he respected all the older wrestlers because without them, he couldn't be a wrestler. And then he said, there's styles who one day is calling him Mr. Sting. And the next day is a coward. He said, styles is wrong. When he claims sting owes him something sting said he paved the way for him. So he owes him nothing. Now I'm going to stop right there now, Jeff, before we continue for the torch recap, there's a story that's slowly turning the main eventers versus the undercard young guys. And as a longtime wrestling fan, it starts to feel a little bit like what WCW tried with the millionaires club versus the new blood. Did you think that this was turning the page back to that? Can you understand that comparison or do you think it's totally different? It's certainly not totally different because it's hard for everything to be original at all times, but it's like the invasion angle that had been done in USWA. Uh, you know, one era, it was the Islanders going back to office days, and then it was the smoky mountain guys, or it would be Mike samples and his crew or Jimmy Hart's taking over. They're all kind of different slices of the page. I think it's easy to draw that analogy because of Nash and stay the WCW group in there, but, but living all of this day in, day out with Dixie's comments, with the office comments, with the legends comments, with the AJ styles. And I'm just calling out his name, AJ, he never a bitcher. He was always, Hey, can we talk about this? But the different guys, all of this was percolating in a very real sense sensibility that, Hey man, we're up rolling and, 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 Jesus, Kurt and Booker and Scott, and they got all the TV time. And here's, here's kind of a, a, another slice of this pie that does goes without saying we were running more live events. Yeah. You didn't see Nash on live events. You didn't see Booker on live events. You didn't see, you know, Kurt made them all. That was his deal, but you didn't see sting and the other guys. So there was a built-in natural resentment. We're doing all of this work, but on TV, these guys won't even go. We can't monetize them in the house. And I was a, uh, 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 an agreement with all on that, that, Hey man, we need to work in something where these guys will make some live events because we're giving them so much TV time. But yeah, there was a natural issue building through all this. So the millionaires club, I don't think it's a, a fair, but I absolutely can see where it's easy to draw that line. So 
Sting eventually says AJ should be thanking me every month when he pays his mortgage because it's because of me. And he says, there's a whole lot of guys in the back who are spoiled, rotten brats. He said, not all, but most, he said one way or another, he's going to bring respect back into this business where it belongs. Even if he has to be the parent, nobody wants to listen to. And if you think I'm wrong, you come and tell me to my face. And today says it's been a time of reflection for sting. And he sort of repeats what sting says. And then here comes AJ and he says, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. And he said, he looked up to him and idolized him, but he never disrespected him. And you know, it, he asked sting who helped him get the company started. Sting said he wanted to help him too, because he saw he and Joe as the future of the business. And Sting said, you can't respect someone and call them a coward all in one breath. And he asked him what he did a hard justice to his opponent. And he took things a step further than he had to. He said he could have scored the pin and walked away. He said angles, a world champion in WWE and TNA and an Olympic gold medalist. And he said, styles may disagree with him and he might have a problem with his tone, but he's going to take his bat and put it in his hand and turn his back and let him hit him over the head. Styles stares at the bat, grabs it. Sting turns his back. He shoves him when he pauses and sting turns or styles turns sting and takes a swing. Sting blocks it, kicks him in the gut, gives him the scorpion death drop. Then your music plays. Sting is standing over AJ and laughing. And today says it's obvious to, to him. Sting isn't the only one who's playing mind games. And that's where it ended. So why the tease of your music and what do you I, think of sting I, in this tweener role? I can't recall why the tease, but mind games and playing all that, the, the natural, my gut tells me is that look, no secret that I was a part of that. Well, I'll give the, the, the blood, you know, the millionaires club. And I was in the middle of all that. And so Jeff has been here since day one. So is he going to be with AJ side or going to be with Kurt and Sting side? That to me is kind of what the tease was for, but, but Sting through this whole deal, when we would sit in the creative room and have these discussions and we were heading toward main event mafia and all that, I kept saying, and I still believe this today. Don't, don't even try to make sting a heel. Just don't do it. it, it it's not going to work. Now, can he have a position with his stature in the business that inherently he has an issue with AJ styles and Samoa Joe. Sure. That can happen, but don't try to make him change characters or persona. A, he wouldn't do it to be, to begin with B the people won't buy it. So I thought, I mean, I, I really, cause guys, Scott Steiner got into it. Booker got into it. Nash, all five of those guys really got into this role cause they believed it. But Sting's mic work, and we'll get to that on another episode when him and Kurt were splitting up the main event mafia and we were going down that road, or or Sting was kind of man, it was so good. They they did some great work. But Sting was dialed into this story yeah. big time. He always personally really liked AJ. They had chemistry together. This in ring, I mean th- this segment was really good. Well, I'll tell you what else is really good. And that's chili sleep. Uh, these days we're going by the name sleep. Me sleep. Me is the new home for chili sleep. They're still bringing you the same great sleep that chili sleep offered, but now under a new name sleep. Me now makes the coldest and most comfortable sleep systems available. They create the environment that meets the body's natural need for lower core temperatures, promoter promoting deeper, more restorative sleep. And buddy, I absolutely love it. I've talked about it ad nauseum here on the program. 
it's changed my life. Uh, I didn't get to travel with it down to Mexico, but it was the highlight of coming home. I'll tell you that since I've been home, I slept 12 hours. Thanks to my chili sleep. They make the Uller. That's the one I have the cube and the doc pro sleep system. Either way, we're talking water-based temperature controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. These mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep, cold sleep. Sleep me is designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. That's worked for me. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. That's my existence these days. Now that wasn't always the case. I used to have that like two afternoon crash. Well, I don't need more. I don't fuss and fight with the pillows or the covers trying to get cool. I don't have to crank down the AC or make sure my ceiling fans on high. This is like a smart thermostat for your bed. I'm having bright, vivid, colorful dreams. I'm not moving, man. I feel better than ever. I know I'm more productive. It's changed my life. And now they've got a new doc pro sleep system. It has two times more cold power than their other models. It's whisper quiet. It's got a tubeless mattress pad design that allows for up to five times more cooling contact. And they've even got a smart app. That's right. I said it was a smart thermostat for your phone where you can do sleep scheduling. Like you could say, I want my bed to be 80 degrees when I climb in, but an hour later, I want it to go down to 65, but about 30 minutes before I wake up, crank it back up to 80. You can do that. That's real. It doesn't just work in the summer. It works in the winter too. You want to be warmer, colder, whatever it is. My wife does that her bed, her side of the bed, we sleep in the same bed, but you can do this in the same bed. Her side of the bed starts getting warm at nine o'clock because she goes to bed early and then it starts to cool her off at 10 and then it warms her up to wake her up before she's got to head out to work. Me on my side, buddy, it's cool all night long. It's your perfect ideal temperature. Head over to sleep.me forward slash my world to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new doc pro cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for my world with JJ listeners, and it's only for a limited time. That's sleep, S-L-E-E-P dot M-E-M-E slash my world. Sleep dot me forward slash my world to take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up feeling refreshed every day. Our old pal Jim Ross says it all the time, Jeff. It costs nothing to look. Go look right now. Sleep dot me forward slash my world. So let's pick it up where we left off. Um, doing some notes, listen to you doing some notes from uh, bound for glory in Chicago. Nash is going to turn on Joe. The observer has this to say after spending months peaking everything from bound for glory, including the debut of Mick Foley, the return of Jeff Jarrett, plus a sting Hill turn that it appears only the people working for the company and people who read about the company are even aware of has taken place. There has to be a feeling of frustration. The idea of building a strangely put together adaptation of the eighties, new Japan program with new leaders versus now leaders has been really vague. That is some inside baseball. And I would dare say there's no chance that anyone on the TNA booking committee said, man, let's just do what they did in new Japan. Am I wrong? <laughs> well, today may have thrown it our way, Okay, but, but uh, yeah, you know, all kidding aside, he may, but again, that's, that's what, what I brought up to There's been so many. Uh, it just has been done in wrestling forever factions and groups and takeovers. And uh, I mean, so, some of the, the, that tales of the territory, when you really looked at how Andy Kaufman positioned his storyline, yes, it was him, but it was Hollywood taking over, which is why Vince senior said, I want nothing to do with this guy like it personally, but this story ain't coming anywhere around. We already, 
fight that battle of all oh, scripted and entertainment. And all. it's funny how you go back and watch history, but yeah, takeovers have been in wrestling forever. So here's another note here from Meltzer sting, who was not only cheered by the fans, but the end of the match was working as the baby face captured the TNA title from Joe in the main event. As in doing the program, the way they went, you need to have faces chasing a heel champion. I recognize how little sense that makes when the guy who's supposed to be the heel world champion is the baby face, but the move makes it clear that sting has agreed to stay for another year. The finish saw Kevin Nash interfere and hit Joe with a terribly weak bat shot after Nash had seemingly helped Joe by taking the bat away from sting in a swerve finish to be unpredictable. That's done so often in wrestling that now it's far too predictable. Nash had signed a few weeks ago as first reported, but apparently the booking team told him to lie about it, which he did to everyone, not just the media, but even some of his longtime close friends. TNA even took his name off the website, all to build for the shock of his return. When he came out, there didn't appear to be any shock at all. And his heel turn was to help the person that nearly everyone watching by that point was figured figured was the baby face win the title. So it's a little confusing, but I understand that this is more and more the internet era. People are trying to keep up with what's going on behind the scenes. I do like the idea of, of knowing you've got sting to stick around. If you're going to put the belt on him and Kevin Nash's surprise return where he, I guess, kayfabe even his close friends. But I could see how this would be a little confusing. Like, wait a minute. I thought sting was the baby face and yep. Kevin Nash is cheating to help him win. Um, did you think there were too many swerves in this process? And and what do you remember about asking Kevin to, to keep quiet about his, I don't remember about kept keeping that may have been done. Dixie, um, uh, Russo. I I, I don't, I definitely was, I don't remember that uh, as far as like specifics. Not saying it wasn't done. That also could have been kind of a Dave good newsletter deal, which I get. Um, but it's too many swerves, Conrad. Hindsight is 2020, and almost in every case, not just 2008 here in TNA, almost all the time, less is more. It just, man, sometimes things we, we almost think in a creative room, we have to do something. Well, why? Well, cause it's been done that way. We have to do it. No, you don't. Uh, but, but as far as that finish sting getting cheered, sting stayed true to his character. Nash is a heel. Didn't mind being an asshole and using the bat and all that kind of stuff. So again, laying the pieces of the puzzle and everybody staying true to their character. I think, you know, uh, again, had the main event mafia stayed together and we'll get into all that. Maybe at the end of this episode or another one. As far as a really successful, I don't want to say dominant because I think dominant is such a relative term, but a successful faction, the short time those guys were together, it, it's it's the best run of ratings, two million viewers. It just and you can go back and analyze that. And yes, it's not comparing apples to apples uh, uh, into twenty twenty two, but it was a damn successful ratings run, and I think. The part of that was is because the, those guys stay true to their character. We pointed out here in this event, but, uh, the story was real. The, the, the TNA viewer knew. Yeah, I believe this because it's some shreds of reality in it. So Meltzer would say this one thing they need to work on is naming both warring factions and making it clear to the audience who is on what side. 
As it stands right now, there isn't even a name of the feud. And while we know sting Booker T Nash and Kurt Angle lead one side, they don't even do interviews together. We know AJ Styles, Samoa Joe and Jeff Jarrett are on the other side, but once again, they need to be grouped together as NWO like factions. The factions need to be merchandised heavily. And above all the baby face side needs to be portrayed as cool. The problem is neither side is particularly cool. And most fans seem to have no idea who the baby face side is, but the age group thing is screwed up since Jarrett and Foley are both looking to be on the young wrestler side, which is why age and former star status shouldn't be pushed as much as a focused group versus group dynamic. The respect thing may have been a nice catalyst to send sting over with some logic, but the heels need to be heels. Some of that's kind of hard, hard to argue with Jeff, you know, the heels need to be heels. And you know, if you don't really have all the older guys on one side and all the younger guys on another, maybe that doesn't really work either. in like the millionaires new blood way. I don't know. What, what, where do you land on this? Here's where we were in the mid chapter. I mean, we weren't even at the end of a chapter of this book. We yes. were like mid chapter and, and all of these conversations absolutely were going on in the rooms. And at times I'm thinking that Dave had his source from the room because all of these discussions going on. Yes. We need to name the group. Yes. We need to name the baby face group. I'm not so hell bent on, on naming the, 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 the storyline until that really organically tells itself. And, and Dave assuming that me and Mick were a part of the, 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 the later to be named the frontline group was just an assumption specifically we wanted it and it came later and we had a lot of success with me and Mick doing, we were, we wanted success for both groups because right. we were main event mafia. We were peers of those guys, but we knew the future was over here and that's kind of the, the, the reality of it. And people knew by Mick's books and his personality and his verbal skills, he believed in that with conviction that you got to have both. And so we were trying to be peacemakers, but we weren't on either side yet, but it was just too early in the story to, to, to name it. And, 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 and again, we haven't got to the night that the main event mafia was formed, right? Pieces of the puzzle. But I also like the David saying, Hey, may, name these guys. Well, no, we're, we weren't ready for that quite yet. So Nash does an interview on October 16th and reminds people of the old saying, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And, um, he decides to turn on Joe 10 months ago when Joe disrespected him and, and, and of course Scott Hall, and he's been waiting and biding his time to do so. So as a reminder, Scott Hall had a situation and was not available for an advertised pay-per-view show. Joe comes out, does his match. And then afterwards gets on the mic and is pretty critical of that. And Kevin Nash feels like this was unapproved and out of line and disrespectful and apparently slapped Samoa Joe backstage, almost like, what are you going to do about it? And now it's kind of referenced here that is inside baseball, but it was a long time ago. Do you guys make sure Joe's okay with that being included? Because the whole quote unquote worked shoot thing or sprinkling some shades of realism in there really works with this audience. Does it not? It can get you in trouble backstage, but I don't remember the specifics, but I feel pretty confident that if I didn't say something to the fact, as far as a, internally in the group, 
Dutch would have said something and I can just kind of go back and sit in that room and Russo go, bro, I got it. I'll have a conversation with Joe, you know, something to that effect or whoever was in the room, but yes, that was discussed. And, and cause you just, that real life situation, why pour gas on the fire? If it's a, it's not that important to reference it, but if you can reference it, it kind of ties in back to the reality-based storyline. Yeah. You know, the, the Ric Flair last match. That's all we did. Well, you, we both had friends go. Yes. Dang, dude. <laughs> you know, but, but because they know it's a story. Hell, they know it's real. They know when, when, when Rick is shitting on you or you were shitting on Rick and all that, the things that were said were real. <laughs> but, but the reality is if we don't reference that, it just feels phony and, and we want to get people emotionally invested in to pick a side and, yep. and, and that's hard to do if it's all, I don't like you and I'm going to kick your hind quarters this Saturday night. Well, that's not real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you picking up his bloody head. How does he look now? This is the house that Jarrett built, blah, blah, blah. That's real. He came begging for a job. I mean, that, that there were so many little sprinkles in there. It was good. Uh, yeah. and, 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 but I know sometimes, man, guys take issue with that. Hey, I don't want to talk about I was that. I say that your point here. Hey, did Joe, did this pass the yeah. kind of, yeah, exactly. Because when, when, when Joe did that, it wasn't discussed beforehand and Nash gave him for lack of a better word, a receipt. It, and, and truth be known, had Joe said, Hey man, I know Scott's got his demons and issues, but I'm going to reference it because we're trying to make a, you know, Kevin might've said, yeah, go for it. Right. I don't know. Fun discussion, Connie, but it wasn't discussed ahead of time. So there's hurt feelings. Um, but what, what did happen was, is that we discussed Alabama, not winning. Listen to you. All right. So in the torch, (laughs) Jeremy Borash is going to sit backstage with Kurt angle. This is on the impact from November 23rd. And this is where the group really starts to come together. This is good. Borash said angle is promising an announcement that would trump Foley's announcement later. And angle said, he's going to change the face of professional wrestling, not just TNA, but the face of professional wrestling forever. And he said, he made a few phone calls to some very, very, very important people. And he said, as of midnight last night, the deal was done. And Borash had what uh, asked what that had to do with Booker T and Borash turned and asked Booker sitting next to Charmel, what he had to do with this. Booker said from this point on, they would take what they want and they want respect. His accent has, uh, never really bothered me before, but this week it was almost unlistenable according to the torch and the camera panned over to Kevin Nash. who's also in the room. And Nash said, wrestling has always been about money, power, and respect. And Nash talked about Joe, not respecting him and Booker interjected with respect in this hideous accent. Three times Nash said, Joe made it personal, which is why he came back. Borash says all three are icons, but elsewhere backstage, there seems to be an uprising against them. And he said, he thinks the odds may be stacked against them. And angle said, this business was built on honor, dignity, and respect. And they're three of the greatest wrestlers of all time, but there's one more. And he revealed the fourth member of the Alliance sting and sting comes out wearing a suit sans face paint and Sting says, JB, you look like you've seen a ghost 
Why do you look so surprised JB and sting said they tried it the nice way, but it didn't work. He said they have 75 year, 75 years of experience between them. And they asked nicely, but there is no more asking only demanding. And he says, it's all business from now on. And he walks away angles, laughing angle, toast Booker and Nash. And, and they christen themselves the main event mafia. This is pretty crazy, Jeff. I mean, this is Sting's first official full fledged heel turn. He sort of half turned and then turned back and then went ambiguous. And I guess there's according to the torch, he says, this was, uh, this couldn't have been more anticlimactic for Sting's first turn. And he says it was really poorly done in the micro and the macro. But if the end result is a solid heel faction without all the ambiguity, <laughs> easy for you to like me saying posthumously <laughs> ambiguity. I said it so fucked up. I laughed. Uh, <laughs> then there's ultimately good going forward. What say you, Jeff Wade Keller didn't like it. When I went back and first got back into wrestling and started to learn about some of this stuff. I thought this was pretty good. Uh, Here's why I thought it worked because we're still mid story. Yeah. And, and it played out sting did not quote unquote switch heel. He didn't turn on his opponent. He didn't turn on the people. He didn't turn because he wanted gold. He just wanted to stand up for his rights as a veteran in his mind. Now, again, this is through the eyes of the character, but when sting agreed and 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 i think it was russo and sting had the conversation no face paint glasses and suit and tie and he just it, they all kind of tied together i thought it made it, it, I, I i just thought sting's involvement just it, it was so good and 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 i don't want to skip over this either in Kurt's career, there's been babyface Kurt. There's been singing cowboy Kurt. There's been milk truck Kurt. There's been USA, Three Eyes, you know, all the different ones. This Kurt angle, to me, a serious, ruthless mob boss that you knew he had some jokes in him, some character, some comedy, all that's in him. But in this story, it's all business. I'm all focused. I think this is the best version of a money-making Kurt, a badass heel that's got this ruthless streak in him. And he's going to do in his mind. He thinks he's right, but he's going to rip AJ styles and that crew. I just thought all the pieces came together. I thought it was well done and it wasn't the traditional. It wasn't even meant to be that. I guess, bro, I'm giving the bro. It wasn't meant to have sting is the hill turn. He came together with this group of, uh, of, of members and they named themselves the main event mafia who was going to teach the, the front line a lesson. Do you think this would have been better done in front of a crowd or do you like the idea of doing it behind the scenes? That is a hindsight 2020. If the audience and you can't predict were were completely in all, I mean, yeah, I mean, everything's better in front of a crowd or 99% of the time done backstage, much safer, get the right camera shots, get the right dramatic, the right reveal of Kurt stepping in, get the right face shots of sting without face paint. 
all that went with it, definitely a backstage much. It was, it was, I thought it was done well to very, very good. You know, I, I, I understand if you do it backstage, you can control the reaction. Do you think that's the reason you leaned that way? No, I think the setting, okay. I, I just think that it was, yeah, I, I don't think it was thought like, Hey, we can't do this in front of the people. I think it was the, the episodic nature of the story Did anybody sting or anybody else have an issue or ch- chirp and say, should we show sting without the face paint? I mean, I know it rubs off. I know it's not like a secret what he looks like, but it's an iconic piece of his look, or is that part of it here? Call. That's a sting call a hundred percent, but, but I think everyone believed this makes it different. It does. That's a different sting. That's it's, just a different sting. He means business. He's taking this situation serious, you know, him in the glasses. It just was really, really good. Let's talk about what's next. We got Booker T out here and he's going to introduce the legends title. Uh, the belt marks absolutely loved this title. Uh, and it was, uh, well done, but it's kind of weird. It's going to debut on October 23rd. Uh, Booker T and Charmel walked to the ring with a briefcase. Tanae said that the mystery is about to be revealed. Booker's talking in his accent about immortalizing Booker forever. He pulls out the new championship with the TNA logo on it. It's got the red strap. Uh, the crowd is chanting Booker T. And he says it's called the TNA legends championship and the title belongs to him and him only. And he introduces himself as the TNA legends champion. When a belt's introduced like this and a guy just says, here's the new belt and it's mine. And I'm the champ. Does it mean as much? No. Yeah. No. I was reluctant on how to debut it. I was all for Booker winning at first. I just wanted to have a better setup, but it's, uh, it, it was one of those things that a lot of politics involved backstage and, and uh, everything that went with it. And I get the main event mafia and all that, but I'm like, the, I hate to say it, the credibility of the belt. The one thing that I wanted for a while when we got two hours is that we had the X division title, but that was a style of wrestling. And you had the knockouts that were coming along. We didn't have our U.S. champion IC title. We didn't have that secondary belt. But how can we be innovative? How can we be different? Something not the norm. So when I heard the Legends title, it's like, okay, I, I can kind of go with that. It, it's like the TV title, I thought, done properly in its day. The TV title meant something. Yeah. So, okay, Legends title, we've got a real story here. And so wouldn't it be cool for a Samoa Joe or uh, AJ Styles to eventually win that legends title. And he makes the baby face promo and says, you know, I'm not a legend yet, but I have something right here that signifies it. And so, uh, you know, basically call himself a soon to be legend without being a legend, but, but just Booker walking out, I I was not for that. And I can't remember if, if, if it was a, a Dixie overrule or I just said, I'm not going to fight that battle today. Uh, I have, I, I don't recall that. So Scott Steiner joins the group a week later. Uh, he's going to come out. Uh, well, we've got angle, uh, working with, uh, abyss and it's going to be a DQ Angle's going to keep beating on abyss until Matt Morgan makes the save that brings Booker and Nash out. Then all the baby faces. Then Scott Steiner comes in and clears everyone out with a pipe, except maybe Petey Williams. And then sting is out in the suit and tie, no face paint. 
Styles is going to spit at him. So Sting lays Styles out with a Scorpion Death Drop to end the show. And Meltzer in this era would refer to Sting when he wasn't wearing the face paint as Real Estate Steve. And that always tickled me. Uh, but, newsletters. I like it. But Scott is now a part of the group. Uh, is that his idea? I mean, obviously he is a legend. Uh, the timeline, you know, as far I, as I, I got it, I, I should call Scotty. I, I think it was a contractual issue that we got him back on and we wanted to round it out with five yeah. and the piece just kind of fell in the puzzle. And we also knew that kind of the direction we were going and he would be a guy that would be, uh, we later did an in ring, uh, but yeah, he, he, he just fit in this main event mafia, uh, slot. So let's go to turning point 2008. One of the top matches saw Booker T retain his legends title, beating Christian cage. And the stip is if cage loses, he has to join the main event. Uh, the main event mafia, of course, the next side of TV, the mafia gives cage a beating because Kurt angle found out he was leaving for WWE and they were giving him his going away present. Uh, so his contract expires in a few weeks and I can't believe this is scripted, but it is. That's interesting to me. What can you tell me about? I don't know. It feels weird. Am I yeah, wrong? I mean, no, Christian did business on the way out. Yeah. It is the simplistic term. Yes. I don't know. I don't know it exactly, but it, it, I mean, it, there was no, but, um, but to just say, Hey, we know you're leaving. You're going to WWE. So we're going to be, here's your going away present. Like, I mean, I appreciate that. He's willing to do the favors, do the honors, whatever. Would you really acknowledge, Hey, he's leaving. He's going to another station. I mean, it almost is like if you're a Christian fan and you're watching the program, okay, well, I'll just watch that show now. Thanks for the heads up rather than just beat his ass and he's off TV. Reality-based storytelling. I'm, 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 I'm not defending. I'm kind of throwing out what was our mindset in 08. People are going to find out soon enough. Well, I'm, uh, I'm with you, but let yeah, me play yeah, devil's why, advocate. Why, why, why direct them to another program is your point. And that's point taken. I mean, that's kind of what you're saying. I think it is. So, let me just ask this. When, when you see MJF on AEW TV, talk about, he wants to go to WWE earlier this year. Do you think that was a good call? I'm going to go, buddy. You talk about, we could go in the, in this rabbit hole. Well, let's get in it. I'm just saying like, I've always been of the opinion that, yeah, n- that, that number one never talks about number two. Right. So like whenever there's a new phone that comes out, whatever the yeah. new piece of shit Android is, they're going to come out and they're going to say it's so-and-so better than the new iPhone. And then like Kia or whoever else is going to come out and say so-and-so faster than the new Camry Camry never comes out and says we're better than those pieces of shit. <laughs> and like they're number one. So they don't talk about number two. I get that. But I think sometimes number two talks about number one so much that it makes you feel Bush. Okay. That's the, I, I guess what I'm saying is where's the balancing act. Yes. So, so, so you definitely can, but punching up is a good thing. Yes. And the, the number two role in talking about the MGF deal, here's kind of going back the social media component 
and I'm not saying it's the end all, end all be all, but the, the, the metrics and the YouTube views and the engagement on Instagram, TikTok, all, all that, that to create that chatter, you, you can go a long way with one comment MGF makes that just kind of perpetuates itself. But again, the balancing act, if he's out there every week saying that, I yeah. don't think we were out there every week saying no, but so, so I just think there's a balancing act that if you say something that has a shred of truth, week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, week seven, we, you know, whatever. So 20 weeks in, they've said something truthful every week on that 22nd week, you can have a, a program full of scripted BS, but people go, oh, wait, they weren't lying the last 20 weeks. Maybe this, is, whoa. So did it really hurt that we said Christian's going to the WWE? I, I get your point. But on the other hand, it's, we just kind of didn't hide from the fact, but I'm going back to the balancing act of the MGF, MJF. I, I, I think it, I think, well, I don't know what he, why I said it. I don't know what his design was, but it's certainly. He gets people talking. As I say, we're talking about it today. That's a win. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But I just know the reason I asked you is because I feel like more often than not, you got a little bit of old school in you and that's not yeah. wrong. Uh, no, I, I, but as a rule of thumb, I don't know. It just, I wanted your take and now I got it. I do want your take on this sting is not involved in this angle. Uh, and here's what's written in the observer sting. Wasn't a part of this as apparently either there's a booking reason or a sting refusal reason why he won't do heel things while still booked in a heel role. He has turned down tons of ideas in the past saying he doesn't quote unquote, feel them. Can you talk to us about this? I mean, you told us earlier, you sort of alluded to listen backstage. There was lots of guys, uh, like AJ styles. Well, AJ wasn't a bitcher. He might say, well, can we talk about this? But that implies there was a lot of bitching about creative and here it's written that sting has turned down ideas because he doesn't quote unquote, feel them. Was sting tough to do business with at times or no? No, he was very, very convicted on his beliefs of what the character, not Steve Borden, what sting was and is, and is going to be. And he wanted no part of. overt heel tactics, traditional tactics. He just, nope, I'm not in, involved in that. And, and I really thought it was part of the magic of the group. You knew that he was in the group and believed in it, but he's that guy out of this mafia. That's got a lot, got more ethics than the others. Right. Kurt doesn't have any Scott Steiner. Damn sure. Doesn't have any. Kevin could kind of pretend, whoa, whoa, this boy. just, they all kind of played their role differently. There was all five of them were completely different yet had the same kind of badge of honor because they were all in the main event and, and, and rightfully had earned their place in the industry, not in TNA in the industry. So we finally get the name of the other side. Uh, but before we do, I want to name what Jeff and I are doing every single morning. Of course, I'm talking about a G one. Jeff and I really believe in athletic greens. And I got to tell you, I started taking AG one back during the start of the pandemic. My wife discovered it because she wanted to optimize our immune system along the way though. We've learned that AG one can help you get better gut health, more energy. And maybe if you hate taking pills or vitamins, well, this is a perfect solution for you. Maybe you want a supplement that really tastes good. AG one can do that too. Now, what is this stuff? Well, let me explain. With one delicious scoop of AG one, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, 
whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day. Right. And this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, your aging, all of your things. And it actually tastes great. It's lifestyle friendly too. So Dallas would love it. Whether you eat keto or paleo or vegan or dairy-free or gluten-free, there's less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything, and it still tastes good. It's going to help you get better sleep and recovery. It's going to support mental clarity and alertness. We look at it as like your all-in-one nutritional insurance. Now, it's not just something you need to take mine and Jeff's word for it. Go check out Athletic Greens Reviews, man. You'll see more than 7,000 five-star reviews. And right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, athletic greens is giving you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash my world. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash my world to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So Jeff, the other faction, the baby face faction, if you will, is named on the impact taping from November 27th. It's going to be called the front line and the entrance has those words on the screen before they ever announce their name in hindsight. Is that cart before the horse? Shouldn't we let them say that first? Yeah. To me that all got jumbled up. And, and another thing I was sitting there, um, that crossed my mind as we're going through this, the main event mafia was night uh, named on the night. My memory serves me correct in Las Vegas. Spike wanted to do a special event to convert. This is how crazy time has gone on 14 years ago, going from standard def to high def was our first night. We did it at the joint at the hard rock in Vegas and a special event. And we had, uh, you know, we had different settings and we didn't have our usual impact zone. So that's where that was named. Well, whether it's merch that wanted to get put out or AJ's group wanted to, Hey, we got to get a name out because they really liked it. I felt it was rushed then. And today, as I said here, man, am I positive? It just was way too soon let the main event mafia just kind of sink in and, but they wanted to get it out quick. Everyone did Uh Dutch didn't, uh, I can't recall anybody else, but just, just let it percolate guys. It just, it, it felt forced that we came out with it too quick. So the, uh, the key thing is Rhino basically burying everyone in the ring, not name AJ styles and Samoa Joe with the line that they need new members to fight the main event mafia because the rest of the guys aren't experienced enough. Wow. The final segment has styles, Joe and Rhino, along with the main event mafia all in the ring while angle calls out 3d and 3d goes on this long speech about why they're going to join the main event mafia saying the mafia would now become the magnificent seven, but it's a swerve and they attack the mafia. Uh, and Wade would say, I thought it was funny when 3d said they wanted to be remembered alongside the great tag teams of all time, like the road warriors, the Steiners and Harlem heat. And there he was with Nash, whose team with Hall drew 10 times more money than heat, uh, being dissed. And he even had this look on his face, selling it It ended up in a brawl and all the mafia members, but angle were out of the ring. The T's putting angle through a table, but angle was saved at the last second. And the crowd was real hot for this booing 3d heavily. When it appeared, they were going to join the mafia. And then, uh, of course they popped huge when they joined the front line. 
one of the hottest angles probably in TNA history at that point, right? I d- without question. Folks, Impact Plus, uh, password, code word, uh, is it JJ or Jeff or whatever it is? I, I, I'm not kidding, but I'm. I'm we've I'm got old. it. We've got it in the show notes, folks. So we, we <laughs> strongly encourage I, you to I check all that out. to say. Bully laid it down here. The tee up, the whole emotion, the impact zone, just it, it crushed. Yes, the angle was hot, and this was a great setup, and it was, it just felt really, really good. Good go, stuff. Go out of your way to see it one more time. It's November 27th, 2008. It's at impactwrestling.com forward slash packages. And you want to use our promo code Jeff. Uh, for tracking purposes. So it's impactwrestling.com forward slash packages. The promo code is Jeff. If you want to watch it, man, they loved it in the impact zone. Yep. So the week later, uh, December 1st, the company realizes the TNA originals was a weak name, particularly when Rhino and team 3d were being brought into the group and eventually Jarrett and Foley were involved. There was talk at first about doing a name based on X for extreme, except for the DX connotations. At that point, the idea was for the name to be team ecstasy seriously until someone realized that could be a bad idea. So it became TNA frontline. Do you remember hearing that TNA or team ecstasy? I can't believe that was even a thing. Never, no. never sold newsletters, but that's cool. <laughs> do you, uh, back in the uh, BS days, you ever do ecstasy? What's that like? Uh, how much work was it coming up with these type of things and names and gimmicks and trademarks? Do you have like a legal department to run all that through? Are you saying, Hey, can oh, we get frontline? We came up with a bunch of names yeah. uh, across the board, Got tons it. of it, but the, the frontline, man, I think AJ, there was, a, they loved it. They liked uh, frontline. Well, here's what we didn't want to do. We didn't want to have a name that would have prevented a newcomer coming in later. We were, you know, our hopes were maybe this angle goes on, you know, for the foreseeable future. So don't pigeonhole it with somebody that had to have been here from the beginning. Yeah. We can bring in anybody that just was going to be a part of of the faction and they're fighting in the front line, kind of the connotation, the front line, those are the guys in the trenches and it just, it worked. There's a bunch of things you could have done with it. We'd done the marketing campaign, cross the line, blah, 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 blah. So it all gelled together, but, uh, you're, you're, (laughs) what? Yeah. Nothing. The smile on your face. Well, I'm laughing because, uh, I I just totally butchered (laughs) ambient. I can't even do it now. I didn't realize I couldn't say, uh, cause I, I write ambiguous in emails all the time. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm even trying to say it right now. I'm not sure that I can. And I'm just laughing because you're saying we're trying to come up with names. And I'm like, if Jeff really wanted to fuck with me, we could just rename this podcast. Ambiguity. I, I can't do it. I'm trying right now. Ambiguity. I mean, that just sounds like writing. That feels like writing with my left hand. Posthumously. You just la- uh, posthumous? No, post. I was like, "What?" <laughs> you said, "I yeah. can't say." And amb- and amb- I can say ambiguous all day. Ambiguity. Although that just feels weird. Like I didn't know I couldn't say that until right now. So that's, that's ambiguity. See, I can't. I can't. I'm jealous that you can just rattle that off. I, I'm, I'm like I. I I like to think I'm a fairly educated fellow. I've done a few things in my life. Let's go uh, do some play-by-play on hockey. I and we'll, 
<laughs> I can't do it. Uh, so the, the main event mafia is formed here and I don't think there's probably any debate. This is the most successful faction in the history of TNA, right? Man, when you go, yes, without question. And when you look at it on paper and understand really how short lived it was, it, I mean, it, we just, it wasn't around a, a, a long time because of we'll get into that or already have got politics and the power play and it was shut down and blah, 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 blah. But in 2013, Conrad, when me and Toby were trying to buy back control and I mean, me and I call it my team were having to put together document after document and this and that and the history and not a three-year history, not a five. We want to see the whole run of spike. We want to see this. When you look at the ratings, this did, there's no question. The demo, the households, the length, the, 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 everything. It was the most successful ratings run in our spike history. It was, it, and, and look, the story was good. Yep. The talent executed great. The familiarity with Sting and uh, Angle and Steiner and all, all that. It just, but I think on top of all of that, it's so easy to understand. Right. It's just so simple. The young guys want their spots. It happens every day, all day. It happens in AEW. It happens in WWE. It happens in New Japan. It happens in AAA. It happens in every wrestling promotion in the history of the industry. So we'll discuss the rest of the main event mafia storyline another time, but I do want to ask just in the formation, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, is there anything you would have done differently with the launch? Like if you could go back and change one thing here, there, would you, I'm sure we could nitpick this thing day in day out. Um, Nothing jumps off the page because success speaks for itself. The, 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 the sting knowing how that eventually got and the falling out, I think we might've been able to go on uh, almost a little bit more heavier of sting being the fish out of water in that group. I'll just say sting overtly being a baby face. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that Meltzer and Keller, it ruffled them. You know, however you want to say it, they were throwing holes at it, grenades at it. They didn't like this. They didn't like that. I think that was a positive thing because you're right. We wanted this faction of the mafia and one guy in it to have some integrity and ethics, which made a bit of a mystery. Are they going to turn on him? Is Sting going to leave? You know, and yeah, you can debate that all day long. It's too premature, this and that, but no, for the most part, I mean, debuts and merch and music and Booker or his accent or well, look, you can, it, it worked. So, so no, no big regrets. We got lots of questions about this. I don't think we'll get to them all, but Jared has a good question. Pretty early in the MEM run sting seemed to have issues with how the rest of the group did some things. Obviously the end game was to turn sting back to the good side, but did that story get rushed? I always felt there was more meat on the bone. You kind of answered that, but it made me yeah. think, you know, since this is a this is different for him. You know, this is something that's 
you know, he's been wrestling a long time and he's been well-established a certain way. Do, do you remember it being a real big sell job to get him to go go along with the idea of just being a bad guy for a little while? He just wasn't going to do it. I yeah. mean, it was pr- pretty clear he wasn't going to do it. And and sure, I, I think, look, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Hats off that he st- stood his ground so good because in hindsight, look what a difference it made. Yeah. But would it have been maybe more, maybe not easier, more convenient, but he, he just was not going down that road at all. This one comes to us from, uh, Francis Reyes. Was there any talent who did not want to be part of the group? Of course, you kind of answered that a little bit with staying, but was there anybody you, you pitched? Maybe he was on the roster or wasn't on the roster. Hey, what about this? What about that? And they just weren't feeling it. I mean, the obvious is those groups at that stage of their career in a group, you can work tags easier with it, make more sense. So no, there was no, they all, to my knowledge, loved it. And I, again, I think Kurt was in his element in in this role. He was leading a group of guys and Kurt being the workhorse that he was in this era that it just fit. Everybody was in their element. I'll say that. Christopher Martin came around here trying to kiss your ass real hard. He says, first of all, double J you're a horseman, no matter what Conrad says, M were possibly the most underrated faction in history. The concept and execution were bang on for me. However, I don't think it's a faction that gets its due. What say you? Uh, yeah, I tend to agree with that. Maybe the most, un- maybe the most underrated faction in wrestling history. I, I, I'll give it that. But again, I understand why it would be that. It wasn't around long enough. There you go. Uh, Brad Stanton wants to know, and this is a great question. Cause I sort of glossed over it when I said it was the best faction, but here's the question. What's the better faction main event mafia or aces and eights. Oh, no question. Main event mafia. You think no Eric, you think Eric Bischoff would say the same? Nope. Cause he loved him some aces and eights. Didn't he? He, he that was his story. Yeah. I get it. Well, next week, we're going to be talking about another TNA story. Uh, there's no way we'll tell the whole story, but we're at least going to start talking about Dixie Carter. Oh boy. We got lots of comments. I got lots of direct messages and sidebars and text messages. When we briefly touched on Dixie a couple of weeks ago and. Oh, did you, you were just gun blue true here on the show. And some people had questions about that and didn't like that and felt a certain way about that. And. I've decided that in the coming weeks and months, we might with your blessing, of course, because as the queen of the mountain reminded us at the top of the show, you're the boss. <laughs> we might start entertaining the idea of having some guests on the program here and there, because I feel like if we're going to have honest discussions about what really happened in TNA, we certainly enjoy getting your perspective. But every now and again, another voice adding a little bit of context might not be a bad thing. So I'm putting you on the spot right now, and I'm going to admit, I haven't reached out to anyone. I haven't made any commitments to anyone. I haven't discussed it with anyone, not even you I'm bringing it up now. What do you think about the idea? I'm not saying we'll do it next week, but if we're going to have some tough conversations about the good, the bad, and unfortunately the ugly of TNA, maybe having another voice in the room. Adds a little context. Would you be for it or against that idea? I would love for you to get Dixie on here. Well, I would love for Dixie to be here. She has an open invite, but if she's not uh, able to join us, maybe there's some other folks who were there yeah, who can yeah, give us their yeah, two hey, cents. Hey, you know, I firmly believe this. 
you are the one who steers the ship. It's called my world, but you're steering the ship. But I do think short answer. Yep. I think the healthy discussion would be interesting. Yeah. I think we put our thinking cap on and, and, uh, I don't say brand it, whatever it is. It's a conversation. I, I, I think it would be, um, oh man, what a list we could get. Yeah. I, I just thinking right now, Conrad, just kind of the lists that we could go through. Um, man, I mean, it, it would, it, it, it yeah, it, it'd be a lot of fun. I have a strong feeling it'd be must listen podcasting. We're going to work on it. We're going to start talking about Dixie Carter next week. I want to be clear because I know when I say that based on some things that have been said on this program, people automatically assume it's going to go one way. No, I, I want to be clear. I believe that Dixie Carter has been disrespected and misunderstood and not given her just due for a long, long time. I believe that Dixie Carter and her family are responsible for major contributions to professional wrestling. Uh, her family afforded opportunity to guys who might not have otherwise had it to make a living in professional wrestling for a long time and make a lot of money for a long time and have a lot of opportunity for a long time. Now it's easy to look back and say, oh, well, this was a mistake or that was a mistake. But oftentimes the people who are saying that are people who received a check from her or just watch the TV. Her and her family put their money where their mouth is and invested a lot of money in the professional wrestling space. And for that, I think we as fans should thank and appreciate her and the entire Carter family for that opportunity and minority business partners. Yeah. You ain't kidding, bud. It will not be one-sided. That being said, we can't pretend as if every decision was fantastic or everything went perfectly, or there weren't mistakes made. I am very interested in having a conversation about the good, the bad, and the ugly, but with the understanding that even the things that were bad and ugly folks got paid a whole lot of money, even when the company wasn't always necessarily the most profitable venture. And we got to give a tip of the cap to the whole Carter family for that investment. And I know there's some armchair quarterbacks that are hearing me say that right now and think, oh, LOL, they suck. They should just go out of business or whatever. And let me just look right at the camera and say, you're fucking dumb. If you think that, <laughs> because people losing their job in wrestling is not good for wrestling. If you're really a wrestling fan, you want the people who work in the business to have a lot of fun and make a lot of money and get to live their dream and hone their craft. And we get the benefit of watching it every week on TV for free. So I, for one, am thankful for that opportunity. Yeah. Some's better than others, but to root for a company to go under or people to lose their jobs or what, that's just negative below the line thinking I'll never co-sign. So thank you for the Carter family. That being said, we're going to start talking about Dixie Carter next week, but I promise it is not going to be a hit job. I'm not interested in doing that. Are we going to talk about some good stuff? Absolutely. Are we going to talk about some bad stuff? Absolutely. Uh, but there's no way we'll fit it all into one episode. We'd have to start talking right now and finish up around uh, Easter. Wouldn't we Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, for sure. You know what, Conrad, I believe, and I've thought through this cause I've seen it in the notes and Dixie and you put it on the topic list and all that. 
again, as you say, it's just my opinion. Yeah. Here's what's to this day. I only know what I know through the lens of what I watched and perceived and also what Dutch would tell me or Russo would tell me or me and Dixie's communication broke down so bad. Had we been on look over communicate, how many times you hear that out of me? Had we been on the same page communicating much better? There's some questions that I don't know the answer to, to this day, but I think in these episodes, I'll be able to give context. I'll be able to give backstory. We'll be able to create probably more questions out of the podcast. Like, I wonder why that did happen or this and that, uh, you know, and when you really drill down into it and when you look at TNA 2002, Dixie Carter hired as a PR agent, we'll kind of jump off into that. And not that long after that, she's running the company or in, in, in the title role and then got into that, whether by power play or not, however you want to say it is in a relatively short amount of time, a lot of pressure. Family pressure, business pressure, talent pressure, day-to-day pressure. It's going to be a really, really interesting conversation because I can't wait to hear your business brain fire off questions at me. I mean, it'll be it'll be healthy discussion. I'm looking forward to it, and I want to give everybody a tease here because I don't think that this story's out there, and I don't want you to give me a full sentence or a story. I want you to just say the answer. And then we'll leave it there and we'll catch up next week. You, you referenced a minute ago, Dixie Carter started to work with TNA in 2002 in a PR role outside the company doing the PR for TNA. That was in 2002. What year did you first meet Dixie Carter? Don't add any context. Just tell me the year. Nineteen eighty nine. I was going to guess 88. This is going to be a fantastic start to the story. We'll start talking about Dixie Carter next week. In the meantime, check out adfreeshows.com. You'll see our recent conversation with Bill after for the insider series. He told stories about Vince McMahon. You've never heard before, including Howard Finkel, Hulk Hogan, lots of nuggets that I had no idea. I had never heard before. And Bill admitted he had never shared publicly before. We also did a fantastic little video on the WCW world title that Ron Simmons made famous with the guy and we did it on Reggie Park's one year anniversary of his passing. And we caught up with his protege, Dave Milliken, to talk about that belt. If you love WCW or Reggie Parks or that belt, I can't recommend it enough. Eric Bischoff sat down and went face to face with Raven after all these years talking about their past. Jeff and Karen, the queen and king of the mountain. Talked about some of their favorite memories from Tripla and boy, they had heat down there. We've still got that upcoming Tony Schiavone live Q and a Jake Roberts watching Halloween havoc, 1992. And we're going to take all of your questions. If you're a top guy all over at adfreeshows.com. Remember you get all of our shows and I mean all of them early and ad free for just nine bucks a month. Give us a like, throw us a subscribe, leave us a five-star review. If you think we've earned it and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at my world pod. You can follow Jeff at real Jeff Jarrett. I am Matt. Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. And you can introduce a friend to our YouTube channel. It's the best way to enjoy our show in bite-sized bits over at youtube.com forward slash my world with Jeff Jarrett and Jeff. Let me just say this. If you're going to play Rocky top, all right. If you're going to do that for real, you should play it through the damn gimmick here. So 
Play us okay. out. Here we go. go ahead, oh, there we go. Well, full transparency, I text you and said, hey, Connie. I didn't get a reply. That's, that's, isn't that a beautiful thing? <laughs> that is the most countryfied. Hey, Garth Brooks has sang that in Nayland Stadium before. There's a lot of that. Uh, well, listen, it's a, a fun it's, today, Conrad. A lot of fun today. It was a lot of fun today. Uh, I'm super excited that we got to do this. Uh, I love talking about, you know, the good old days of TNA, and this is about as good as it gets. And, and I want to mention, I can't believe this is real. Tennessee won. I was wrong. Yeah. Play us out, Alabama. Hit us a little Dixieland delight. It's y'all song now. I hate you, Jeff Jarrett. Honey, I love you. Tony Giovanni, go to hell. <laughs> and your dogs. <laughs> All right, boys and girls. We'll see you next week right here on My World. Rolling down a backwoods, Tennessee byway. One arm on the wheel Holding my lover With the other (laughs) You love it, Connie, you love it A sweet, soft, southern thrill Worked hard all week Got a little jingle On a Tennessee Saturday night There it is Couldn't feel better I'm together with my Dixieland delight Spend my dollar Park in a holler Need the mountain moon Oh, Conrad Hold her up tight They are We're done with all that, damn it <laughs> We're gonna kick your ass In the SEC championship Kidding, you won't be there Georgia will See you next week, folks Right here on My World Peace, my friend John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.